up, gamers? Welcome to the 29th episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Back again after being mysteriously absent last week. Well, a lot of stuff happened last week, including if you're a PlayStation 4 fan, and even if you're not a PlayStation 4 fan, PSU.com has had a relaunch, a redesign. Um, it looks completely different, 100% different from how it looked. Okay, well, maybe 99% different. The logo's still the same, but looks completely different from how it looked before, and it looks absolutely beautiful. It's still kind of in its beta stage right now, meaning changes could occur, um, but it's, it's up there. It's functional. This is how it looks, and we think that you are going to love it. So on behalf of PlayStation Universe, check it out at PSU.com. Um, of course, I am the Commissioner Glenn Gordon, your host this episode, and with me is the most racially diverse gaming cast on the internet today, starting with Mr. Ben Sterling. Who coughed? Was that you, Ben? Or was no, that me? Oh, okay. that, was, that well, go- was Mr. Um, he is an awesome writer, Dane Smith. Okay, well, we'll get to Dane in a second. How are you, Ben? Uh, I'm pretty good, thank you. A bit tired, but not too bad. Sweet. How's gaming been treating you? What have you been uh, up to? I've uh, been playing a bit of uh, Velocity, actually. I can't talk much, but I can say that it is awesome. Okay. And I've been playing Warframe. Too much Warframe. Back to Warframe? Yeah, back to Warframe. What happened to Final Fantasy? I'm taking a small break because the content... There's not uh, The next update's not going to be for a few weeks, so I you just need a break from it until the actual content added. Uh, I've pretty much done all the end content right now that I want, so... Back, back to square one, I suppose, for yeah. Mr. Ben. And, and, um, and um, wow, I can wow, hear myself. Whoa, What is that? Double the fun. Double the fun. Double okay. the glad. That's okay, I'll, I'll edit that out. Uh, let me find out what time it is. All right. On the fly. And with us, of course, we have our favorite host with the most right here from Korea um, and Canada at the same time, Mr. Dane Smith. How are you, Dane? Oh, I'm just jubilant as always, Glenn. You know, just jubilant. I moved into my new apartment for my new job, so it's been a very busy, hectic past couple weeks. So that's over with now. Oh. Well, why'd you move? I changed jobs. Oh, you changed jobs. Okay. Yeah. Got a new job, so I got to move apartments. That, cool. that fun stuff. Yeah. I got your tweet about superstars. Um. That's right. <laughs> I enjoy that. Yeah. So I moved to. Um, I'm working at a university now, and on the uh, they got this archway to the front of the university, and it says on it the place for superstars. So I just thought I'd just up the little host rivalry with you. There's with a host the rivalry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. He's creating a host rivalry. I'm just creating one, man. We got to have one. But uh, it's the place for superstars. So that's where I am. All right. Right right, right where he belongs. Um, (laughs) So so you're saying you're a superstar. That is what you are. (laughs) That's what I am, Mr. Rhyme. And, of course, with us is straight from Russia and America at the same time. Um, our good friend KGB Gary Bagdasarov. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Um, you actually pronounce it better than a lot of people. Sweet. Better than me. Sweet. <laughs> better than me. 
back desk off. No, there's no there's no K sound in there. Um, <laughs> in school, people just call me Bag of Sorrows. Bag of Sorrows? <laughs> That's depressing. Yeah, I know. How are you, Gary? I'm I'm okay. How are How are you guys? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty good. good. That's good to hear. I beat The Last of Us. I heard. I want to talk about that later. That's awesome. Um, I would love to hear. At the end of the episode, because of the spoilers. Yeah, um, I haven't finished it yet. So. I, I think that's what we'll do. I think after the episode, after the ending music plays, um, if you have not played The Last of Us, stop the tape after the music plays, or, or stop the podcast after the, mu- after the ending music plays. Because we're going to start talking about The Last of Us, and there will be spoilers. Um, so we're putting it at the end, so don't worry, listen to the whole thing. But after the ending music, hit stop if you have not played The Last of Us. Um, of course, if you have, welcome. It's been a good couple of weeks for gaming, as usual, uh, since the whole PS4, Xbox One thing started up. Last year, gaming has just been on fire, and that fire continues this week, although it burns a little dimly with this topic from P4RGaming.com. Um, just so that you have an idea of why I feel that way, the uh, article is titled, Why Goat Simulator Will Be Game of the Year. It's pop- oh, yes. <laughs> it's- yes. It's popular, therefore it counts. Okay, let me let me just read you a snippet of this article here. It's, it's not very long. Um, it's by someone who is only portrayed as Jack. The, the author's name is Jack. That's all we get. Um, he says Sony. Jack <laughs> he says Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all need to wake up and realize that this is the new hotness: Ghost Simulator. Goat Simulator. It was never the developer's intention to make a good game, but does it really have to be good to be Game of the Year? I know some people who would choose this game as theirs. I'm talking to one right now. That's <coughs> Skyrim. Skyrim. Okay, well, basically, he says Goat Simulator kind of started off with a joke, but then social media took hold of it. Um, PewDiePie from YouTube was playing PewDiePie? this game. Um, so apparently this game has his, quote, seal of approval. Um, he says that Goat Simulator is a game crafted with a lot of love, which you don't find in other games. He says he feels like the developers are talking to him through this game. Um, quote, as I run around as a goat, I can see the developers smiling while saying that they do enjoy taking my money for this game. Okay, well, let me say right now, I am pretty sure that all developers enjoy taking your money for any game that they create. Uh, Goat Simulator is not special in that regard. Um, all, basically, it comes down to this. Uh, the game is not a ridiculous high-quality game, and it doesn't try to be. It's just a game about a goat with a intentionally buggy system, which is really refreshing. So, he says, based on this, it can compete with other Game of the Year nominees. Um, and he ends the article saying that's just an indication of how strong the competition is. Um, Jack, I-, I don't know what to say to that, but maybe the most racially diverse gaming crew on the internet does. What do you guys think? Game oh, I think year. it's well, no. Game of the Year. You know why? Because it's buggy as hell. That's the only reason be- why. So, so I I don't understand. Game of the Year games are usually Game of the Year games because of their quality. Um, Either the quality of the... 
usually the quality of the story, the experience as a whole. And then also that's supported because everything works really well. So you were saying that this is uh, capable of becoming Game of the Year because it intentionally does not do anything like that. It's hey Skyrim disagrees with you, man. That's yeah, the buggiest game to know. That's the buggiest game ever. Listen, I was never gonna call Skyrim Game of the Year. I hate Bethesda. I freaking hate Bethesda, and I, that is no secret. Um, <sighs> Bethesda deserves no Game of the Year awards for anything it does, uh, and that's that's where I stand for now. But Skyrim, um, as it was intended, is a good game, and it's bug. The, the thing about it is, there's so much more game than bugs um, when it works properly. I'll, I'll say it that way. When it works properly, there's so much more game than there is bugs. Um, the, the bugs that are there are not very harmful. They don't do very much. Uh, they're just kind of funny. Like you, you, you walk next to a castle and you see a horse fly by. It's that kind of thing. Um, whereas these, this kind of thing, the game's really small. Um, there isn't very much to this world and to this game, so the bugs and the glitches are much are a much bigger part of it. So, do you think that it can be measured the same way? It's fun though, as well. The glitches are a lot of fun. I mean, I I, I once got an infinite amount of points because I licked a tanker, jumped on a spring, floated in the air using a uh, fan, and somehow landed in space. I don't know how I landed in space, but I, I went to space. What are you talking and, about? That's that's how I usually get infinite points. Yeah, and then I then I got an infinite point. I got I think it was I ended up before the game crashed. I got forty two million points. Lick it, lick a tanker, jump off a spring, land in space. I did that just last week. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Um, uh, <laughs> we know how Glenn uh, does his weekends. <laughs> um, well, Goat Simulator. I don't know the the game. I do agree with Jack in that he says um, Goat Simulator isn't a game that tries to be very serious um, by any means. It's not trying to be world's best, brightest, shiniest game. Um, but it sounds like there's a certain charm about it that appeals to people. But do you think that a game like Goat Simulator can really stand next to a game like even Skyrim? Yes, well, because... I had more fun with Goat Simulator than I did Skyrim. You had more fun with Goat Simulator? What do you even do? What do goats do in this game that is so interesting besides float when they're not supposed to? Uh, okay. How about going into the secret goat castle, becoming the goat queen, and then using your powers to summon goats from the sky? Or how about <laughs> going into and becoming an ostrich goat, goat where you can fly as a... An ostrich goat. But wait, an ostrich goat? Neither goats nor ostriches have the capability to fly. Why does being an ostrich goat let you fly? Uh, uh, well, you can't really it's fly, an you just sort of float. It's a mutant. It's a mutant. Yeah. This uh, doesn't make any sense. No. Ostriches what about the can't goat fly. whale? Be a goat whale if you want. A goat a whale? Yeah, a goat whale, which is a, a sperm, like a sperm whale, but it's a goat. That's not physically possible. Okay, I don't understand this. That's not anyways, possible. Anyways, um, I I think that Jack is just half trolling with that comment because I think he's just putting out there what a lot of like normal people think about these 
game of the year quotes um like because we go back to skyrim that game was buggy as hell but that got tens out of everything and game of the years but why does a game that's super buggy deserve a 10 because there's obviously something wrong with it it's not perfect and so it's just kind of like well if skyrim can get it why not goat simulator because that's buggy too and stuff like that i think is kind of like the the vibe is what i get of it from what you were talking about in the article and I kind of I kind of agree with them because I mean there's so many sites, so many games, they just give tens for the sake of it. Look at the Uncharted Three controversy that happened when that came out. One site gave it a seven. Blasphemy. I mean, freaking uh, Mega sixty four had a fun parody about that. Like so many people get so up in arms about reviews, like their life is is connected to that score. And they need their life validated because of it. It's like, well, you know, Skyrim's the best game ever. It gets a 10. Oh, someone gives it a 6? Well, then my life is just shattered. You can't give that a 6. Insert any game name that you want, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Well, that's, the sad, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And I'm sorry, but don't <laughs> take PewDiePie for a a thing like that as well because he'll give any game like that that it's one of his pretty much one of his running jokes um yeah PewDiePie um his he likes to take the piss out of the fact that you know when he was playing Rock Simulator where you play a rock he's like IGM would give this 10 out of 10 here's game of the year and all you do is sit around as a rock you don't do anything else or yeah, or, I, I or, mean, or, there, or Pod Simulator like a- a controversy with um, who was it? Angry Joe and the reviews editor from IGN about oh, yeah, uh, yeah, like Angry Joe did some. I forget if we talked about it on this podcast. It did some quote about some game was like going to be epic or something, and it, it was, was from Titanfall. a preview. Titanfall, yeah, Titanfall. And it was the preview and stuff, and he put it up in his like show uh, for IGN, and then it gets all these crazy scores. And I mean, it's contentious, right? We just go back to when I did the God of War review for the Vita. I mean, people took the shit out of me for that because I didn't give it a 10, right? It didn't validate their existence uh, or their lifelong obsession with Kratos or something. I had a different idea. I had a different opinion, a perspective on it. So it's just, I think it's just a massively awesome troll effort by this guy. And that's just my opinion. You see... I don't, I don't know why people treat reviews the way they do. It doesn't make sense. Like whatever IGN puts out there is either complete gold or complete crap, depending on your personal opinion, and that's just not how it works. You know, the the point of a review is, hey, here is someone who um, tried to critique the game um, the best way he could, and this was his experience. So you don't have a, a place to go in now and say, no, your experience was not this, your experience was that instead. You know, that's not what a review is for. And all these people who live and die by these numbers, by these scores, are completely doing it wrong. Because the, the review itself is not about the score, the number. The review is about the text that goes with the number. The view. It's not just about, oh, this game scored a 7. How about actually reading for once and figuring out why it scored a 7? You know? I mean, it, it's 
people get so up in arms about these about these numbers when and, and they don't even bother to figure out, hey, maybe there's a reason it got this number. Maybe I maybe my perspective isn't the only one out there. It's it's like what I said again, it's just validation. Like I read a review for Yakuza and I freely admit I'm a fanboy of Yakuza. And before I became a reviewer, before I even worked for PSU, I'm like, Man, this guy gave it like seven. That dude doesn't know what he's talking about. And I freely admit I was like a troll like that. Um until you actually do it yourself. I think that's kind of part of the problem is a lot of people just like you said, they don't read the reviews. They just look at the score, and a lot of them probably haven't even tried to review the game and look at it critically in that respect. But to be fair, there's a lot of issues with reviews because some people just give tens like it's candy. Some people don't give tens at all. Uh, some people are hard markers for good or for bad. And then there's obviously those who review games that they have no interest in to begin with, which kind of puts a bad light on things for those people who don't read reviews, um, which kind of sucked. I had problems with that with IGN in the past with some of their JRPG reviewers where it was just so obvious from the start, like, okay, this is going to be a bad score because this guy doesn't like this series. Or they have some type of problem, like uh, cultural or like social problem with the game or something like that. Oh no, there's too much. There's too many big breasts or something. So obviously it must be a bad game. Oh, you know. No. I think I'm I'm blowing it out of proportion, but you, you you get what I'm saying at. So it's reviews are always going to be contentious, which is sad. Um I think we we're talking about on chain. I think one of the smart things to do is is always look back to what people have done in the past if you could. Um, that's the great thing about the site relaunch is we can now, you click our name, you can see everything the person has done in the past. And so you can kind of see their trend of how they review stuff, uh, especially if they've done a lot of them. Like on Unchained, we're talking about uh, Ben. Like I said, no offense to Ben, Ben gives a lot of high scores. And then he, we were talking about Sacred 3, and he'd give it a 4 is what he said, which means that's pretty crap. Because Ben usually gives high scores. Do the reverse with Ernest. He hardly gives anything a high score. He hardly gives anything an 8. And then he goes and does Danganronpa trigger and gives it a 9. And that dude hardly gives an 8. So the fact he gives a 9 actually means something when you go back and see the trend of things. Well, reviews are interesting, but they need to be used the right way. Um, it, it isn't all about the score. There's so much more to it. Well, I agree. Um, and so, um, just actually, just read. You know, just reading. Reading won't kill you. I promise. Re just, just read the review. It's not going to be terrible. It's about something you like. Just read the review. Um, but anyway, let's close out the goats. The goats. Well, second, unless unless it's a goat simulator review, then it's automatically getting a ten. It is. It's that good. Uh, you should buy it, Glenn. You no, should buy I'm, it. I'm not going to buy it. Do you, um, do, you have, do you have Steam, Glenn? Yes, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to um, buy you Goat Simulator. I'm not going to play it. <laughs> no! Goats. <laughs> Let's finish out this Goat Simulator uh, discussion with this. Um, these comments from the actual article. Kovar says Goat stands for Game of All Time, G-O-A-T. Clearly, this is the best game ever, and it only stands to reason that it would also be the best game this year. 
Um, the Holy Turnip replies, but simulator stands for so I might use Los Angeles to organize racists. So, yeah, there's that to consider. I, I just want to say that I remember when I, uh, we had Shahid on Unchained a while back, and I jokingly said the fact that I wanted Goat Simulator on the Vita. Oh. I, I, I will stand by that idea, and I hope the developers do it one day, because it would be the perfect game on the Vita. <laughs> What would you do if they did put it on the Vita? I would buy all the copies, literally all the copies. I would go into my local. If it's a digital, I would download all the copies. But if it was Ben, if you if you got all of them, then you would be the only one to play the game. I'd give them away so people can play it. You give them away so people can play it. I would make sure it becomes number one top selling game of the week. I I refuse to play this game. Um, I I want it to be. Number one. No, I refuse to play this game. This game is this game sounds absolutely ridiculous. It's, they even added a free map with co-op. Mm-hmm. Co-op. No. Go- no. We go-op. Do, we don't maybe. need we don't need more than one goat. Um, <laughs> this information comes from VG Charts. If you don't mind speaking industry for a little bit. Sony is doing pretty well. Its revenue for the gaming division has nearly doubled year over year. Um, so far in 2014, if I'm, if I'm reading this correctly, um, or, or is it in the quarter? Well, it's saying that, um, 3.5 million PS4s and PS3s have shipped. So I'm going to, I'm going to imagine that this is in the quarter. Um, Sony's revenue, not profit, but revenue has nearly doubled. Uh, the, the 3.5 million number for home console shipped is way above the 1.1 million Microsoft reported for the Xbox One and Xbox 360 combined during the same quarter. Um, so PS, uh, PlayStation, not just PS4, but it's, it's PS4 and PS3 combined, for this quarter has been doing extremely well. Um, Sony forecasts revenue of 1,240 billion yen, and I know that 1,240 billion is a weird-sounding number, but in Japan, it kind of that, that's kind of how it pans out. Uh, it's hard to explain. But 1,240 billion yen for the gaming division for the full year. Profits are expected to be 25 billion yen. Um, so we're looking for some profits for Sony. Uh, how do you guys feel? So, Whoa! So lost. Sony, Sony as a company, as an entire company, has been having some problems, uh, has been posting some huge losses, but the PlayStation division has been doing really well. Um, I think its TVs have been doing well lately, um, especially its, its new 4K model with the, with the little round speakers on the side. Uh, that's been doing pretty well. Um, so now with PlayStation really pushing forward as the top-selling console so far of the new generation, Sony is in a good spot. It just has to come back. Um, although I kind of wonder, because Sony has a... Uh, I think the bane of Sony's existence is advertising and promoting certain things. Um, it... it it's a company that can be really wishy-washy when it comes to promoting things. I remember ranting more than once about um, PlayStation Move and how I hated the the way they promoted PlayStation Move and the way they sold PlayStation Move to people. And, you know, we're all kind of still mourning the way the Vita's 
going. They're, they're going the way of indies. It feels like Sony comes up with a lot of really great ideas, but then they don't know how to market them in a way to make them successful, um, which is it's, it's kind of frustrating for me to watch. Do you guys feel that way as well? I still remember when the PS3 launched. Oh, sorry, carry on. Oh, so I was just going to say, I totally agree with you, Glenn. Um, Sony has a tendency to announce something great and then ruin the great announcements they usually make with something stupid. They've done it in the past with the PS3. You know, oh, we're using this all-new technology. It's going to be great. Oh, but it's $600 or however much it was when it launched. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, same thing with the Vita. Oh, we have this handheld capable of PS3-like graphics and... It's phenomenal, but you have to buy these memory cards that are going to cost you half the price of the system, which is ridiculous again. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're pretty bad at a lot of stuff still that they need to work on. Really, I feel like the PS4 is one of the first products in a long time that has just been really smooth all over. Um, there, there's always some, like PlayStation Move, they just didn't know how to market it. They just didn't know what to do with it. They they promoted it the wrong way. Like they, they made it an afterthought and then were surprised when it didn't take off like a rocket. It, it's like, you know, they just their their promotion, their advertising, their marketing, their distribution, it's just not working a lot for them. Um Ben, you were gonna say something about the remembering the PS three. Oh, I remember when they started marketing the PS3, I think it was in Europe, where they had the crying baby doll. That was here, too. That was the... <laughs> Why? Why would you market anything? Not even a game console. Why would you market anything like that unless it's a horror movie? <laughs> I actually liked the advert, but it was weird. It was weird. And then they had this thing with the... Um, the col- like, they they had this Rubik's Cube. And yeah. you have the PS3 kind of blurry in the background, and then the Rubik's Cube floats up, and it's all shuffled. And then all of a sudden, in like a second, it just solves itself. And then it explodes, and all the colors from the Rubik's Cube go on the walls around this blank white room, and then the PS3 floats too. Um, you know, I, I actually understand that one. They're trying to say it's powerful. It can solve a Rubik's Cube like, like that. But, you know, why the floating? Why the flip? Whose idea was it to promote the console as this weird supernatural box that costs six hundred dollars? Like, I mean, I'm sure if it would float, I'm sure if you could put it on your desk and it would just levitate, people would pay six hundred dollars for that. But it didn't. So, what was the point of marketing it like that? Like, I hope they didn't take it too seriously, though, because that would mean that also if they had to do that, they'd have to have to make it so it occasionally cried at you. Uh, no, because no. you know the crying baby. That would make that would deserve a price cut by fifty percent. No, there's <laughs> that. I think that they were just on crack. They were <laughs> they were high. Someone was high on the marketing team, on the production team for those advertisements. Someone was seeing rainbows everywhere. It, that was just <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. You were. Saying- I think. I, I think we should. I think we should try. I, I think viewers, listeners, if you can think of anything more crazy, uh, then send, submit to us. Uh, I think that would be a good idea. More crazy let's than see, this. Yeah, let's see what I think I can of. think of one. I can think of one. How about the original Xbox's baby commercial, the pregnancy commercial? Wait, oh, X, Xbox weird. had a baby. I didn't. I never saw an Xbox baby commercial. 
Yeah, I believe it was the Xbox. Yeah, they just had this pregnant girl, a woman, and then she uh, shoots her baby out of her like a cannon, and it hits a grave. And it's like, here's the Xbox. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Microsoft. What the I'm heck? Joking. Although to be fair, it's it's better than the crying baby. At least it had an impact. It is. Are you sure? I I think I would watch that and. I'm picturing the look on my own face, just like mouth open, just staring like, what the heck did I just watch? I don't know. What's Gary think of that? Do you remember that, Gary? I don't remember it, but it sounds horrifying. Wait, it, was it was it banned? Wait, striking? No, it wasn't banned. Cause there, was no exp- it wasn't, there was no explosion. There was no, like, gore or anything. Maybe only showed just... it in Canada. I don't remember this commercial. Wait, Here, I'll you two for you guys and send it to you. Oh, okay, hold on. Um... I'm, I'm gonna. I found this on YouTube. The advertisement, the the sound from the advertisement is gonna play, uh, and our our listeners will be able to hear it. So, um, let me show you. Let me show you the uh, the link here, so you guys can watch it. And I'm just gonna put. Uh, I'm just gonna play it. Um, and, and I'm a little nervous already because just the the screen the the screenshot the thumbnail that I'm seeing. But let's see. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is it. Perfect. What the heck? Combat evolved. <laughs> he turns into a freaking full-grown child, like covering his junk as he soars <laughs> through the air. <laughs> and he becomes an adult. I don't remember that part. I thought it was just shot up the baby. What? Glenn's mind is now blown. <laughs> no! This is... No! This is terrible! That's the worst thing I've ever seen. There we go. I, I already beat it. You, yes, you <laughs> did. No, you didn't. I think the crying baby one was just creepy. That's the thing. Yeah, this the, is weird. This is baby... weird, but the baby was creepy. Like this one's crazier. So for those of you listening, because this is audio, what happened is this woman's laying there, and and she's giving birth and she screams, and this baby shoots out of her like a rocket, and I'm not exaggerating, like flies out the window and just starts soaring over the earth, and as it soars over the earth, it's aging, and it ages from a baby to a child to a teenager to an adult to an old man, and then he lands in a grave somewhere in. Who knows? And that's the whole Xbox ad. <laughs> Just put a link to it in the article. Game it evolved. They see it. I don't understand. <laughs> I really you think know, commercial was banned in the US. <laughs> I don't understand. I, well, on, on YouTube, it actually says Xbox commercial banned, but I, I remember seeing it. Maybe um, in Canada, because I don't remember seeing that thing here. Yeah. You know what this that actually reminds me of now that you said it was like the kid was a baby to an old man it reminds me of an old advertisement for Equinox on the Super Nintendo where it's just the commercial is like here you are as like 5 years old talking about where you are in the game and then on the same page you see like a little older a little older a little older until you're like dead but you still not completed the game well, you know, I just don't get what this has to do with gaming. I mean, I guess the the commercial's called Life is Short. 
Um, literally, this guy goes from birth to death in 51 seconds. Um, so I guess that works. Like, I guess the whole idea is life is short, play more games. But, you know... Poetic for the Xbox system, because life was short yeah, for that one. That was that one didn't do so so hot. I, I don't understand. I'm I'm just confused. Get, you you've seen this one, right, Gary? You were you were just talking about it. The Xbox one? Yeah. No, I've never seen it. I think it was banned in the U.S. Yeah. I'm. I I don't know what these people were thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we can continue talking about industry. Uh, we're going to VG Charts one more time to talk about Titanfall. Um, two million Titanfall units have been sold on the Xbox One. That makes three million combined. Um, so the, the two million for the Xbox One and another million between Xbox 360 and PC. Um, the first major release in 2014 for the Xbox One, uh, biggest launch for any Xbox One title, sold over 900,000 units in its first week on sale, more than doubled the Xbox One sales that week. Um, it's now the first Xbox One title to sell 2 million units. No other Xbox One title has sold this many units. Um, it's, it launched in March, right? Was it March or May? I think it was March. I think it was March. Yeah, I think it was March. March yeah. Okay, so March, uh, April, May, June, July, um, August. This was posted five days ago. So uh, it took it took four months or so for it to get to two million. Not bad, not bad. Um, so basically, if I, I think one of the most significant things about this is the fact that only about five million people have an Xbox One, um, as far as we know. And a, a good, what, 20% of those? 20% of the people who own an Xbox One also own Titanfall for the Xbox One. That's pretty big. Well, it's the system seller. It's what people wanted for it. Because, I mean, I look at the chart for, like, still using VG charts, at the other games on the Xbox One, and it's literally Titanfall at 2 million, Call of Duty Ghosts at 1.9 million, and then it starts dropping off, like Battlefield at 1.4, Dead Rising 3 is at a million, Watch Dogs at a million, but then it just shoots down. It just drops. Yeah. So that was the system seller for the game. I'm, um, I'm told Titanfall had a lot of energy behind it when it was announced because it, it felt really new. You have these mechs. It's not just a normal shooter. But then, when it came out, I started hearing different stories. Now, I haven't played it. This is just stuff I've heard uh, from people who have played it. I start hearing different stories um, that, oh, once you play it, it really is just another shooter. It's just that you have robots to, to go through instead of just face-to-face. -face. Um, have, have you guys gotten to play Titanfall at all? I played it at TGS. You played it? They had the demo. You played it, but you played the demo at the, at the um, conference. Yeah, but my my buddy who I went to the conference with, he like mastered Titanfall ridiculously. He played like a hundred hours of it. Dang. So um, he likes it. He loves it. Um, he thinks it's better than a lot of other shooters. Um, I liked it, like the demo at TGS, because uh, of all the AI characters that are spliced in, it's not just PvP. It's also kind of like a little bit of PVE in there. So if you suck. At least you're shooting like AI guys to help your ego out a little bit, because huh. I because I suck at first person shooters, so uh, that's what I liked about it. Uh, the mechs are cool. 
But you take that away, yeah, it is just another shooter, except you can, like, dash around buildings and stuff. I mean, it's just basically pick your poison, what shooter you like the best, in my, in my opinion. I, I still feel rather happy that um, shooters in general seem to be coming less of the main thing. Um, and, and now we're starting to see other genres come in, like open world genres have been, uh, excuse me, open world games have been um, hitting hard lately, like Watch Dogs and Infamous Second Son. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm relieved. I, I'm so tired of everything being a shooter. I really am. Um, but how, how do the rest of you guys feel? Have you gotten your hands on Titanfall, or, or have you heard anything about Titanfall along these lines? I have to be a bit of a downer here. Um, does does VG charts include games that are bundled? Does it include games that are bundled? I don't know. Because two, I can understand why it'd be two million. Because a lot of the sale, a lot of the, the discounted Xbox ones were the bundled Titanfall ones. Mm-hmm. That probably helped push the sales of it being high. Not, yeah, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. It's pretty damn good sales. Well, here's the thing. I would imagine that if um, Activision, it's not Activision, excuse me, if Electronic Arts is going to um, put the game in with the system, you know, they're going to want those numbers, so they're going to definitely make sure there's a way to count them. So I would imagine that these numbers include the um, the, the Xbox One bundles. And considering the fact that even still, even with all those sales, I hear a lot of talk, especially on PC, that the um, online mode is quite dead. In fact, they had to get rid of certain modes because nobody was playing them. Oh, that that, that breaks my heart a little bit, because I this is the first big thing from Respawn, yeah. and so I was really happy that a new developer had come in and, you know, done something really big and really great, and it, it's, it, it's really sad to see that it's been going down lately. So, yeah, my friend is having that experience. Like he played it hardcore, but one of the reasons he played it hardcore is because his buddies back in the states were playing it. And now that his friends stopped playing it, well, he stops playing it because he's just too good. He doesn't want to go against scrubs, and he just wants to play with his buddies. So it's kind of fatting a little bit. Now here's another question because as far as Titanfall is concerned, I, I feel comfortable saying that the four of us are all outsiders. Um, Dan, you would be the only one of us who has played it and only a mm-hmm. demo at a conference. So, I've played it. Oh, you've played it? Why didn't you say so? I think I asked. <laughs> I, I said it at the same time Dan did. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And your microphone tends to disappear when someone talks with you. Um, yeah, I don't know why that does happen. That's where. So well, how do you feel about it, Gary? Before we I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was very, it was very Call of Duty like which is kind of expected because it's from the same guys who made Call of Duty mm-hmm. just in a different studio but like Dane said like it's only real big thing is is the mechs or or the the titans is what they call them I guess you know it's fun to use them don't get me wrong but the problem with them is they gave you they give you so many options to destroy them like any infantry guy can destroy them very easily all they got to do is just get on on top and and behind the tie-in, they can easily take it out. Right. So it kind of kills it, having it all the time, but it's also very good with the balancing of it, so you're not overpowered with it. Mm-hmm. 
But you know, it, it is a fun game, and I agree with Dane also that it's it's a good thing to let people kill like the bots, the AI type enemies there. Because if you do, if you're not good, you know, you're, you're not feeling like you're being left out. You know, it's like, oh, here I can still get points. I can still level my character. I can still get these upgrades. I just don't have to kill actual people who are playing, which is good. Right. But uh, I also feel like. You know, Return 2 million is really good. Yeah, but I also think it's kind of a letdown because I think Microsoft was expecting a lot more than Absolutely. 2 million. Absolutely. Like, what's it been, four months since the game came out? Yeah, Almost? it's been about four yeah. months. Yeah, I don't think 2 million is good in four months right. for a game that's, that was pushed that, that big. I Especially mean, I when it's bundled as well. Yeah, I yeah. think the original, I think Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, when it first came out, sold like 2 million in the first month. Right. So I don't think it's as big of a success for them as as they wanted it to be. Could it, could it still kind of not be Titanfall's fault? Because when you look at Call of Duty, um, mo- by Modern Warfare, Call of Duty was already an established franchise with a strong following. Whereas Titanfall, even though it had a lot of energy behind it, is a brand new IP. So do you think that Microsoft just kind of put its expectations too high? And, you know, it's really just not Titanfall's fault. It's just the kind of game that it is. I think they put too much behind the developers of it. You know, I think they try to push, oh, ex-Call of Duty guys. These are the guys who made Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Yeah. I think they pushed that rather than... Titanfall as a game on its own. Uh, as far as Call of Duty 4 goes, you have to remember that the first three Call of Duties were mostly PC based. You know, you had yeah, you had Call of Duty 2 come out on on the 360, and then you had Call of Duty 3, but those two weren't really big on consoles compared to you know the PC. So when it first came out on console as Call of Duty 4, I think people responded more because it was kind of like the first push of the modern-day shooter rather than the World War II shooter. Right. I think that helped tremendously for it. And this is so, so they had that, but as far as Titanfall goes, I think Microsoft put more bank behind who was making it rather than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, well, here is the question that I had, and, and perhaps since you've played it more than the rest of us, Perhaps maybe you'll have a little more insight into this. Um, Destiny's coming out, and at the beta, everyone just loves this game, myself included. Um, In fact, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but the limited editions and the ghost editions have been selling out like crazy, and people are, to my disappointment, to my pure and utter disappointment, buying a bunch of them, like 10 of them or so, and selling them on eBay for three, four, five times their normal price. Um, So it's a hot game right now. But so was Titanfall. So my question is, what has Titanfall done wrong? And has Destiny been doing some of the same things? Could we see the same kind of fall in Destiny that we've been seeing in Titanfall? Destiny has more content, is the only way to describe it. It's not just multiplayer, but I know Des- um, Timefall had what it called a story mode, but Destiny has a full-fledged story mode. It has 
it has co-op, it has PvP, it has explore modes. It's not just PvP, it is, it is everything. It is just, yeah. And it's on more systems as well, which helps. That's yeah. true. That's true. It, it didn't have the... Um, I mean, Respawn and EA would have made a lot more money off of Titanfall if it had also been available on the PS4. Yeah. Um, and also... I, I must admit, I, I'm put off because it is just main. Even even the story mode is PvP, really. So that kind of puts me off it myself. I, I like me my single player mode, or at least the story modes. Right. Me, myself, and I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well um, how how do the rest of you feel about this? I also. Here we go first. Uh, I'm gonna go with Bungie's name. I think Bungie's name is pushing that game pretty big right now. I think at this point, Bungie could have made any game and it would have had this kind of hype behind it. Um, If if somebody else was making Destiny, any other studio, I don't think you'd even come close to the sales that game is probably going to have. I don't think Activision would have forked over $500 million if it was any other studio besides Bungie. Mm -hmm. Um, They've established their name with Halo very easily and they're their name alone is is pushing that game to to the big sales it's probably going to have. I mean, it, it, when the collector edition sells out in what was it, like the first two days, you're doing something right with your game. Um, well, you could say that. Um, I feel a little weird about that because Watch Dogs did some of the same stuff. It had a ridiculous amount of hype behind it. I don't know about collector's editions selling out. I think they did. Um, but then when people got that game, a lot of people were pretty disappointed with it. Well, that's because they delayed it almost an entire year, half a year at least. And then when they re-revealed it, it was nothing what, like what it was when they first showed it. Right. Uh, I think the, like if Destiny gets delayed, like, you know, three weeks before it's supposed to come out and it's gone for six months, nobody hears about it until two months before it comes out again. I think it's going to lose a lot of steam, just like Watch Dogs did. Right. Right. So, plus, Watch Dogs didn't have a big developer behind it. Like we knew Ubisoft was doing it, but Ubisoft has like ten different studios that just have the the area that they're you know Ubisoft Montreal, Ubisoft Toronto. You know, it's still Ubisoft. It's not you know a Bungie or a Ninja Theory. It's not a studio. Like that. I, I'm curious about that because Ubisoft is arguably the biggest developer uh, development studio in the world, or one of them at least. Yeah. Do you mean by numbers of different studios, or you just mean in in terms of sales? Just in general, just by because the well, even, yeah. even though there are different branches, they're still all Ubisoft. Yeah. They're considered one of the big three. It's it's pretty much the big three, you know, Activision, EA, and Ubisoft. Um, I'd, I'd say Rockstar is, is up there as well. But Rockstar is a developer. They're not a publisher. 2K is the publisher for them. And that's the thing. I think Ubisoft is not a publisher at all, is it? It doesn't publish any games. It just develops them, right? No, they publish and develop their own games. Oh, they just but just their own games? They're, they don't go and publish yeah, other no, games? Yeah, they don't publish other games. Okay. So that's... that's I think that's one thing that... If, if I may veer just for one moment, I think that's one thing that gives them a lot more quality compared to EA, um, who is really, really big as well, but it also goes out and does the publishing thing, so it has a whole divi- It has a whole part of everything where it's just all about the business and the money, and the other part is like all about the game, whereas Ubisoft, 
um, both of those parts of it work together for the same games. So I think, I, I don't know, my personal opinion, I think that's part of what makes Ubisoft, um, gives it more of a better reputation than EA. Um, Dane, I almost called you Gary, but you're Dane. <laughs> what were you going to say? Yes. I was going to ask a quick question because I've never played the Destiny beta at all um, for a couple of reasons. One is I had so many reviews to do, I didn't have time. So my question before I, I put in my two cents is what – it's like an RPG. There's some RPG elements to it, right? Like leveling and like real leveling and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if you picture a shooter um, – yeah. But you picture the, that the world that you're in is not just, oh, you know, let's duck and cover and let's start shooting mm-hmm. things. It, it, it feels kind of co-op instead. Yeah. And um, while you're out there, you're, you're, you're doing the whole first-person shooter thing, but you're also leveling and there are things that you can find. And you can upgrade your weapons and, and you can do all sorts of things. So it really is kind of a marriage of those two genres. So like a Borderlands type-ish Type-ish type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's other people so, just show up randomly all the time. Yeah. So and then I, those new elements. So then my thing is to answer your question is why I think Destiny is going to be bigger than Titanfall is because it's not just a first-person shooter. It's not just here's your new FPS plus mechs. Right. Because you know it's it's an actual game that you can bring in people of different genres. Like I'm an RPG fan, so that means. I'm going to want to try it out because there's RPG elements. If it's just a straight-up shooter, uh, I'd have, I have no intention to go pro. Right. So me doing good at an FPS is, is pointless for me if I'm not, if I'm not already into them. Um, but since this is an RPG, at least I would feel like, yeah, I'm getting my butt kicked PvP, but at least I'm leveling up in a meaningful way, like stats are going up. It's not just, hey, here's this new gun you can use that doesn't really matter if you already suck. Yeah. So I think that will be the big difference in sales. Like Bungie, the Bungie name is big, but the fact it's splicing other elements to get other people on board helps it out. Right. So Titanfall was discovered to be pretty much just another first-person shooter, whereas Destiny is a first-person shooter, but it's also an open world and it's also RPG, and it's also all these other things that make it so much more. So it has more room to compete against things like Titanfall. Is that a decent summary? Yeah, it's like why I said Borderlands, because like, I'm not an FPS fan, but then I got into Borderlands because it's an RPG FPS. So it marriages those two things nicely. All right. Um, let's continue talking about Destiny for a moment. Um, the limited edition and the ghost edition have both seen cancellations. Uh, I myself am a victim of one of these cancellations. I thought that my pre-order was safe and sound at Best Buy, uh, only to get a message while I was at work uh, saying that Best Buy had canceled my pre-order due to stock issues. Um, however, I decided to take a trip online to nowinstock.net, um, which currently shows just for... Uh, just so that you know what's going on here. This is for the Ghost Edition. For the Amazon 360, out of stock at all outlets. Uh, Xbox One, out of stock. PS3, out of stock. PS4, out of stock. No Ghost Editions are available. Um, Limited Editions, some of them are available, but not for the PS4 or Xbox One. 
PS3, you can pre-order at Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, Target, or Walmart. This is for the U.S. Um, Xbox 360, you can pre-order at Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, Target, Walmart, or the Microsoft Store. Um, Actually, no, Best Buy and Target are out of stock for the limited edition Xbox 360. Um, I don't know if that says anything. Uh, But here's the thing. At nowinstock.net, and this is why I'm bringing this up, because I think you, everyone should be a member of nowinstock.net right now. And here's why. I was looking for a way to, just for any place that had the uh, PS4 limited edition of Destiny, couldn't find a place, went to nowinstock.net. I signed up and I turned on my alerts. And here's the thing. Once the um, once the stock changes, once more of the item comes in stock, nowinstock.net will send you an email and it will send you a text message. Um, it updates every minute. So every minute it checks and makes sure that these things are still out of stock. If it's in stock, it lets you know. You just have to tell it what alerts you want. So uh, that's what I did. And today, literally about an hour after I signed up, Amazon got some limited editions for the PS4 in stock. Um, nowinstock.net sent me a text message, let me know. I went to Amazon, and now I am the proud owner, um, <laughs> hopefully, of Destiny for a uh, limited edition for PS4. I will get it the same day it comes out, shipped to my uh, place where I will be staying at college. Um, so go to nowinstock.net, sign up right now, and that way they don't just have uh, Destiny. Like They did this... Uh, nowinstock.net was around for the PS4 when the PS4 was still really hard to find. Nowinstock.net was a way that you could find a PS4. Um, so even if not just for Destiny, sign up. You can find all sorts of things there. Um, does it work for international customers? Does it work for international customers? I feel like it has before. Yes. Okay, so um, there's on the, on the navigation bar on the right, there's a little flag. And um, they have a USA in-stock tracker, a UK in-stock tracker, and a Canada in-stock tracker. Those are all nice places. Those are all nice places. I'm sure Dane all would nice agree. Um, I would definitely agree. <laughs> Dane would definitely agree. So um, wherever you are, if you're in the US, if you're in um, UK, or if you're in Canada, sign up for now in-stock.net. This is some new news that we just got literally 10 minutes ago or something. Uh, Just a bit of a teaser for Gamescom 2014, this time from Activision. Um, Sierra might be coming back uh, at Gamescom 2014. If you are not familiar with Sierra Games, um, it is known for publishing and developing franchises such as Leisure Suit Larry, King's Quest... Uh, Police Quest and Space Quest, and Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot. Um, so this is definitely significant. There have been there's been a lot of talk about Crash Bandicoot as of late, and so now we have Activision um, possibly resurrecting Sierra Games, which is literally just me connecting dots. This the article says absolutely nothing about. Um, Sierra publishing Crash Bandicoot, but just that it has done so in the past. But um, given the fact that Crash has been in gaming news quite a bit lately, I mean, could this be something worth considering, guys? I swear, uh, Crash Bandicoot. Suit Larry HD. 
Is what? <laughs> We're going to get what? Leisure Suit Larry HD instead? Yeah, it's going to be Leisure Suit Larry HD. It's, it's totally going to be that. That would be such a disappointment compare in, in comparison. <laughs> uh, what were you saying, Gary? I was going to say, like, Crash Bandicoot has become like Half-Life 3, man. I'm kind of getting tired of hearing all the rumors of a new Crash Bandicoot coming. Um, personally, I don't, I don't think that people care as much about Crash Bandicoot as they say they do. Like, they care, but they want the original Crash Bandicoot trilogy to, co- to, to be available everywhere. I think it's, it's, so it's like the whole legalizing marijuana thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. 90% of the people going on about it would never touch this stuff, but they yeah. just want it to be legalized just because it sounds like the thing to do. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if they bring back Sierra, that would be cool because I have a lot of memories from Sierra. One of the most notable ones is a game uh, developed by Monolith, who did the Fear franchise. Uh, it was a more recent franchise. Um, uh, they did Aliens vs. Predator 2, which was probably one of the funnest PC games I've ever played, especially its multiplayer, and it was published by Sierra. Right. And, you know, Siberia, one of the best point-and-click adventures out there, mm-hmm. um, also published by Sierra. So if, if they do bring it back, I hope it's not just to bring back the name and still put out, like, shovelware games right. with its name. But, you know, other than that, I, I think it is a possibility, but I just hope they're not doing it just for nostalgia reasons. Oh, people know the name, so let's bring it back and right. have it throw out shovelware everywhere. Now, let me let me correct myself just a little bit. Activision is not resurrecting Sierra. Um, Activision Blizzard owns Sierra and its titles and has the intention to sell Sierra and its titles. Um, so that could be announced at um, Gamescom 2014. Uh, This comes from a a teaser, a trailer that is actually on YouTube right now. Just go to YouTube and search Sierra Games, Gamescom 2014, and it should come up. It's about 13 seconds long. Um, So, hey, maybe we will see Sierra come back at Gamescom 2014. As a matter of fact, Gamescom is getting pretty... Interesting. Like in addition to, I believe the uh, the list of Sony titles that I read at some point, uh, we've been seeing a lot of extra possibilities. And you know, if I could get my mouse to work, that would be absolutely great. So Gary has given us a list uh, here over Skype of the games that we expect to be uh, re- announced or, or released or playable. Uh, do you know? Oh, it says right here the list of. Games at Gamescom 2014 contains an updated list of games that appeared, (laughs) I guess this is for IGN's wiki, appeared at Gamescom 2014 in some form, not necessarily in playable form. Um, Goodness, there are a lot of games. It it scrolls down for quite a bit, uh, A to Z. This is present on IGN's wiki for Gamescom 2014. And there are a lot of games, but I think the eyebrow razor here is uh, Gary. What you you found it? So why don't you tell us what's going on here? Um, I the the big eyebrow razor is there are only two Microsoft exclusive titles coming to Gamescom according to this list. Uh, one of those games has been out since launch, and that's Killer Instinct. 
uh, which I'm sure they're bringing over to show off new updates and I guess the the season two that's coming with the new characters and things. And the other one, which surprisingly missed E3 for whatever reason, is Quantum Break from Remedy. Now, all of that said, Gamescom, as far as far as console manufacturers go, Gamescom is a Sony show because Microsoft is just never there. Um, but they are going this year. But they are going this year, and the fact that it's that's all in the in the way of exclusives um, is kind of sad to me. I mean, th- they didn't they didn't do a ri- ridiculously stellar job in the way of exclusives. At E3, they had a very strong showing, but a lot of the games that they had were for multiple platforms. Um, so it's a, a little disappointing now to see only two, literally two games um, so far, Quantum Break and Killer Instinct. Yeah, we should also mention that not every company has announced all the games they're bringing to Gamescom right. yet. Not everything has, so. announced, has been announced. Um, you know, for, for all we know, Microsoft could have like a plethora of exclusives and we just don't know about it yet. But yeah. as far as games we know about, there's only two. Uh, we've both known about them since launch. Quantum Break and Killer Instinct has been out since launch. So I guess I'm a little confused. Like, I hope for its first showing at Gamescom, um, much needed this time around, in fact. That's something that's really going to help, that really has a chance to help them out with their, their publicity and whatnot. Um, for its first ever appearance at Gamescom, I hope that Microsoft has a bit more on the table in the way of exclusives. Um, Because exclusives are going to be how you sell a console in this generation. Uh, It's it's not going to be enough to just be the online console versus the exclusives console because the the boxes are both so similar. So it's just, you know, I mean, a lot of the games that are here... um, Please keep in mind that I'm not just talking Xbox One, PS4. This is for Xbox 360 and Xbox One and PS3, PS4, and PS Vita. So um, we have a bunch... Uh, and Wii U. Uh, and, well, yes, and Wii U and 3DS um, has a lot and of... PC. Has a lot of exclusives as well. Um, I'm actually surprised to see how many exclusives are coming for Nintendo. Yeah, uh, well, a lot of them seem to be for the 3DS. Like, yes, I'm seeing but still Nintendo. I see five... Six, actually, no, they have a pretty decent... They have six, seven... Eight, nine. Nine exclusives coming for the Wii U, including Bayonetta 1 and 2. Um, so I guess that's eight franchises and nine exclusives. So actually, that's not too bad at all. No, it's really good. But again, you look at the list, and almost every other game is coming exclusively to the Sony platform. At least that's going to be there. I mean, Minecraft and Minecraft PS Vita Edition, those are out on other systems, but... Mm-hmm. And there are, there are also ones that uh, IGN forgot to highlight, like Surgeon Simulator from Bossa Studios. Ooh, <laughs> I, I will be buying that, even though I'm rubbish at it. <laughs> I played it before at Eurogamer last year. A little kid next to me was so much better than me. Okay. I, I was just so bad. I couldn't even pick up the, the little knife to cut, to cut the person open. I just kept dropping on the floor. Right. <laughs> the best listing here is... Why do you... No, go ahead. I think the best listing is Journey for the PS4. Absolutely. People have been waiting for Journey to come to PS4 for a while. But I love it because there hasn't even been an official announcement, but yet here it is, officially coming to PS4 
right. at Gamescom, but they haven't officially announced it. No, no, they haven't officially said anything, but we just somehow <laughs> know it's going to be there. Um, yeah. But as far as exclusives go, keep in mind this is not necessarily for multi-platform games. Um, it is, again, Gamescom is Sony's bread and butter, uh, or has been so far. So here's basically what we can expect for, for Sony uh, that we know of right now. Uh, we've got Big Fest for the Vita, Bloodborne for PS4, Counter Spy for PS4, PS3, PS Vita, Drive Club for PS4, and Twine for 4, 3, and Vita, Final Horizon for 4 and Vita, Flame Over and Freedom Wars both for Vita, Frozen Synapse Tactics, PS3 and Vita, Futuridium, PS4 and Vita, Hatsune Miku Project Diva F2, um, ridiculous name, but it's for PS3 and PS Vita. Uh, Helldivers 4, 3 and Vita. Hohokam 4 and Vita. Hustle Kings 3 and Vita. Infamous First Light for PS4. Invisimals Das Bundnis for Vita. <laughs> Journey for PS4. <laughs> Killzone Shadowfall Intercept for PS4. Last of Us Remastered for PS4. Uh, Little Big Planet 3 for PS4. Minecraft PS4 Edition for, you guessed it, PS4. Um, Minecraft for Vita. <laughs> Wonder what that's for. Vita. Uh, Murasaki Baby for Vita. Nuclear Throne for... Oh, see, now, here's the thing. Um, IGN has Night Nuclear Throne highlighted as a Sony exclusive, ah, yeah. but it's it's uh, 4.3 Vita and Xbox One. Don't be fooled. Um, Order 1886 for 4. Pix the Cat for 4. Vita Pets for Vita. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Trilogy for Vita, Sly Trilogy for Vita, Unfinished Swan for 4, Until Dawn for 4, Soul Sacrifice Delta for Vita, Super Exploding Zoo, sounds dangerous, for 4 and Vita, and Sing Star. That's an amazing game, that. I played that last year. <laughs> Super Exploding Zoo is amazing. <laughs> uh, Surgeon Simulator for PS4 and Sing Star for PS4. Um, for Nintendo, we've got Bayonetta. Right there, I, I didn't hear Velocity. You mean Velocity's not a Gamescom? I don't see it on this particular list. Nice. Maybe, maybe they missed it. I don't know. Actually, I, I got an interesting thing I noticed with that list. Um, the two of them, actually. One is how many Vita games are on that. That's a ridiculous amount of Vita games. Um, and two is, I might be wrong, but aren't some of those games already out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. So I think we should keep in mind that like when we're comparing like how many exclusives there are, um, the Xbox ones, those aren't actually, well, except for Killer Instinct. Well, there are, like a lot of listen, are already out. Dang, there are two, and half of the two that it listed are already out. I know, but just in comparison for all these other ones, I mean, a lot of these, some of these PlayStation ones are already out. The Nintendo ones you're about to say, I don't think... I don't know how many of those are out yet, so it's not like it's a a, a cut and dried list. These are all new stuff. Um, these I think are just coming to Europe for the first time or something like Sly Trilogy. I thought that's already been out for a while. Sly Trilogy's been out for a while. Ratchet and Clank Tril- Trilogy just came out in the U.S. Um, remember, Gamescom's like next week. It's not very far from. Uh, Ratchet and Clank's been out for a while in UK, and so is Sly Trilogy. So I'm just wondering why they're at Gamescom if they're already out. Gamescom's not ne- these conferences aren't necessarily for upcoming games alone. Remember, I, remember that we don't know in what capacity they will be there. Um, they may they may or may not show a trailer for them. They they might show. I could see them showing a trailer for The Last of Us Remastered because that literally just dropped. Um, mm. But we we don't know. They could just be kind of there on the show floor for people to have fun with. 
you know? Uh, we don't know what capacity they'll all be there in. Killer Instinct probably will be there in, in the same sort of capacity. Um, although, with all of this in mind, I am a little confused as to... Oh, wait, wait no. I, right, I haven't read this uh, yet. The multi-platform games... Um, although, I'm, I'm probably not going to go ahead and, and read all of them, because... Saying all these consoles are, is getting tiring, but we've got Alien Isolation for all things, especially, um, excuse me, including PC, but not Vita. Uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue for 3 and 360, Unity for PS4, Xbox One, PC, Assault Android Cactus for 4, Vita, Wii U, and PC, Battlefield Hardline, even though it's been delayed, will be at Gamescom. Uh, we know what those, those are for. I'm just not going to bother saying the um, platforms. Just know that they're multi-platform. Um, an unnamed new Bioware game, but the list does say it says Shadow Realms in parentheses. Uh, Destiny, Diablo 3, Disney Infinity 2, Dragon Age Inquisition, Dragonfin Soup, Far Cry 4, FIFA 15, Galaxy, Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft, Hotline Miami 2, Wrong Number, Lego Batman 3, Beyond Gotham, Lego Ninjago Ninjoids, Magicka 2, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mortar, NBA 2K15, Nom Nom Galaxy, Project Cars, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, The Division, and WWE 2K15, all multi-platform games that will be there. And also be aware that all of these multi-platform games are going to launch on a Sony console, um, with the exception of Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft, which is just for PC and iOS. Great stuff. Great list. I'm excited. Great list. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm especially excited for that Bioware game. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the, the three teaser trailers they've released. It just looks trippy. We have no idea what's going on. Right. So I'm excited to see what that game is going to be. Right. Um, that shark fin soup sounds amazing. I kind of want that. Dragon fin soup. Oh, dragon fin soup. It's coming for PS4, PS3, PS Vita, and PC. I kind of want that game. I'd like Far Cry 4. Since E3, I, I was impressed by it, but since then I haven't really paid much attention to it. It is available for pre-order right now, right? Yeah, yes. including the collector's edition, the Cryat edition. Of course there's a collector's edition. I can't get any other <laughs> games right now. Destiny is it. Um, but uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking forward to Drive Club, which I'm hoping to be able to review. That would be awesome. Um, Drive Club, um, Destiny, of course. The Division was delayed till 2015, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Winter of 2013. There have been so many delays. What else was delayed? I thought The Witcher was February 2015. The Witcher is February. That never got delayed. They just announced it. Yeah, they just announced it. Um, so, yeah, The Division was never really delayed either. They just announced that too. We just yeah, Dragon of... Age got delayed by a month. It's now November instead of October. Didn't Bloodborne get delayed? No, Bloodborne officially hasn't, doesn't have oh, a release date. It doesn't have a release date. Okay. But it's expected to be March of 2015. I've been hearing about a lot of delays lately. It's, it's disconcerting. Well, there has been one part. Uh, Lord of the Rings Shadow Mortar got pushed up a week, so it's now coming out the last week of September. Oh. <laughs> Nobody wants to come out on the 7th of October anymore because there's like eight games coming out on that day. No, <laughs> that is a rare move to actually push a release up. Usually, I mean, usually developers would want to take more time and, and go give it another once-over or something like that. But yeah. 
you know, I, I can definitely see the competition around early October. I don't know what it is about early October that all the games have to come out then, but they are. Um, but yeah, well, Batman I'm actually surprised not to see Batman Arkham Knight at Gamescom. Yeah, Batman Arkham Knight's not on this list. Uh, remember, it's just a wiki, so... And not to mention, there's probably some stuff that hasn't even been mentioned yet that we have no idea is coming. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Like, it doesn't even talk about old Xbox games. It, it really just says that Microsoft is going to show Killer Instinct and Quantum Break. So I, I hope that, well, I hope well, that they have more than that under their belt. Microsoft well, has never really been good at supporting their past consoles and or anything, for that matter, right. <laughs> once they release the new thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they literally dropped support for the Xbox once the 360 came out. So, I don't know. Like, we, uh, they don't have anything in development for the 360 anymore. No, they, they don't. Uh, what were you saying, Ben? I'm surprised that the Master Chief collection is in there. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Uh, the collector edition is ridiculously overpriced, though, for that. Yeah. I mean, Sun- it, Sunset Overdrive isn't there either. It, yeah. It's not like Microsoft doesn't have more exclusives, but as far as this list is concerned, that's all that's going to be there for Microsoft. So what I'm trying to say is don't take this list as solid gold, but, I mean, if it's true, that's probably not going to be great for Microsoft at Gamescom. Can I, can I take a minute to complain about the Master Chief Collector's Edition? Go for it. Why? Why pick that price, Microsoft? I know it really. I can't believe it's sold. I really can't believe it's sold out so fast. Wait, how much is it? First, uh, well, you have got a normal edition where you get an art book, a steel book, and a DLC bit. You know, the, you know, in the last Halo games, you could have a skull which uh, made the grunts have fireworks or whatever it is come out the head when you kill them with a headshot. Yes, that is the DLC that you get with your limited edition. That limited and that's edition is regular is, sixty dollars. No, that is eighty pounds for your limited edition. It's like hundred twenty dollars. Yeah, still tin, art book, and that DLC. And then for a hundred eighty pounds, you get a twelve-inch Master Chief statue. That is it. You get the rest of the limited edition stuff as well. So but wait, the the difference is eighty pounds. For yeah. everything, and then another hundred pounds on top of that gets you a statue. Yeah, a twelve twelve inch statue. Why? Why are people buying this crap? It's a it's a hundred fifty dollars statue. I think people are just buying it for the prestige of oh look, I bought the collector's edition. You know, I, I'm a bona fide collector. But that's a complete and total. I feel sorry for these people because they're being ripped off. That is. I'm a, not surprised by this at all. That's a big, bold-faced rip-off. $100 for a freaking statue? It's, yeah, hey, it sounds better than the Halo 3 one where you got the Master Chief helmet that doesn't fit on anything at all. Hey, I'd, I'd rather at least have the helmet for looks. Statue is a generic statue that you can probably get into yeah, else. But it's but it's a one-foot statue. That's a pretty good one. Well, depending on if it's you know inch. handcrafted and hand-painted, I can see that. But if it's mass-produced like crap, then yeah. You know, that's ridiculous. Well, I don't think it's mass-produced because it's sold out in about an hour, I'd say about an hour and a half. Let, let me be honest. I don't really get the whole thing about statues 
because the way statues are for me is just another thing that I'm going to have to dust every week, you know? Uh, They don't don't do anything. They just sit there. And I guess they're a nice decoration. I'm not saying I would never buy one, but I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't spend a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars on one. I wouldn't even spend the $50 on the ghost thing. You know, the, the, and that's that's motion activated, and that gives you sounds. You can scare the crap out of people when they walk by. I wouldn't even spend fifty bucks on that because it's it's just a paperweight. It's literally just a thing that sits there and does absolutely nothing, and that you do absolutely nothing with. So I am mystified as to why people would spend so much money on something like that. They really love Master Chief. It's <laughs> as simple as that. I mean, because well, like they, I, I they collect know, figures. Uh, so, sorry. Um, sorry to cut you off there, Ben. Um, like, when I was in Japan, I got, like, a... Oh, I didn't pay 154 but normal price is 150 bucks. I got it for 80 bucks because I was able to find it cheaper. But, like, this one-sixth uh, scale figure of Mitsuru Kurijo from Persona 3. And what does it do? It just sits there nicely on my, on my shelf. Uh, but I still shell, shelled out like 80 bucks for it because I'm a huge fan of Persona. Um, so I think a lot of these collectors are just huge freaking fans of Master Chief. Um, or they're going to be upselling it like you were complaining about before. I think it was you, Glenn, that was that complaining was about it. Me. It ticks me yeah, off because so, these things are so limited. And people can't get yeah. their hands on them. And then you have people buy, and, you know, even if it's, if it's just one or two, whatever. But you have people buying like 10, 20 of them. No wonder no one can get their hands on them. Like it, it's, it's like stealing. It's literally yeah. like stealing because here's the company saying, this is the retail price for this item. And you are literally taking 10 people or 20 people and saying, no, actually, I want you to pay me five times that in order for you to get it. You know? That that's basically in my mind. That's basically stealing. I, I, and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Glenn is so angry. He's slowly breaking his mic in rage. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's the angry man of the cast. Yeah, commissioner is <laughs> slamming his fist down, giving the authority. And don't forget it. Well, no, I'm, I'm kind of really- on the opposite boat. I'm I'm I collect statues, man. I love them. I have a lot, actually. <laughs> like, to me, if, if, if a collector's edition doesn't come with a statue, I don't buy it anymore. It's just it's... weird. I, I like the steel book. And I like the, I like the paper. I like the art books and stuff. And, and you know what? The fact that, at least for Destiny, the digital Guardian edition is like $89, almost $90. And then the limited edition is just $10 more than that, and you get so much more. You know, that feels worth it to me. But then another 50 bucks for a statue that's going to sit on my desk and make me dust it, you know. No thanks. No, I hear well, you. I, not- I'm going to say that there's the whole chance that they are buying it to sell because Microsoft confirmed that the statue edition and the limited edition will not be sold outside the UK. Mm-hmm. Well, Mainly because be- British so people... It's, the it's only- not going to be outside the UK, Ben? Yeah, the statue is exclusive to the UK. See, that's that's my pet peeve, um, is why they don't make it, like, universal. I mean, if people are sold out in the UK on Master Chief, 
Like, don't you think people in the U.S. or Canada or, well, maybe not Japan, but other countries are going to be into it? I mean, it's the same thing with all these figures that are in Japan, especially like the uh, the the PS3 and PS4 editions uh, that have the the artwork on it. I mean, that we never get them the other side of the pond, and if we do, the price is just jacked so much. And I'm like, why are these companies not? making them for other regions like they it's like people want to give you money here's my money but you're not giving it to me and the people making the money are these upsellers so because they just buy it and then they're like okay i can sell it to you on ebay but here's the price and all that profit goes to one of these upsellers instead of the the actual manufacturer that's ridiculous that's that that, that it really is stealing in my mind that's just plain stealing and I, I despise it you, because you're taking you're you're really ripping some you're literally ripping someone off and the fact that people um, the fact that people actually go for it I mean it's not like they're just doing this for they're not forcing people to buy from them or anything you know but then you're again this is a limited thing so people want this people want it for a gift people want it to collect and then they can't have it unless they pay this middleman five times the cost of the actual thing, that's, that's theft. That's stealing. That's plain stealing. And frankly, there's nothing anyone can do about it, um, which is disappointing, but I guess that's just how it works. And I, I well, absolutely there, hate it. There is something you just don't pay for it. You know, if you're tripling the price of an item, then don't pay for it. And they're going to, what that just does, they just spend $150 and nobody wants to double the price of what they paid. So listen, let, let me let me reiterate this. If you are looking for a Destiny limited or collector's edition or ghost whatever the heck kind of edition you're looking for, don't pay one of these thieves on eBay. Okay, don't pay these people. Go to nowinstock.net, sign up, and get an alert for whatever. Like Amazon was selling PS4 limited editions for a couple hours today, literally. I kept checking back, and they they had they had a good amount of them in stock, enough to sell for a couple hours. So just sign up and wait. Just you just you have until September nine. You have a whole month from now. Right now, as we're recording, it's August nine. Excuse me. Um, so you have a whole month. Sign up on nowinstock.net and just see if you can find one for the actual price. Because it is none of this. Absolutely none of this is worth a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or even three hundred dollars that these guys are selling this stuff for. None of it. You you can you can get you know, this you can get this at the actual retail price of a hundred and fifty dollars or less, depending on your version. You don't have to pay these people. I think it's well, interesting. I, I just thought about oh. this. <laughs> is, um, sorry about that, Ben. I seem to be cutting Ben off all the time now. Um is the difference in culture between, say, the West and Japan. Because when I was living in Japan, uh, I've talked about this a few times on different podcasts, um, I got all these Persona figures, like, super cheap. Like, super, super dirt cheap. Um, And I think in the West, we just assume that people who collect these things are not going to take care of them. And so everyone wants something mint in box because they know it's going to be in perfect condition. If they're going to spend 50 bucks on something, they want it in the box so they know it's complete. They know there's no issues with it. But when I was in Japan, I'm getting all of these like 
50, 80, 120 dollar figures, uh, super primo figures, like persona figures, other ones, like dead or alive ones for like 10 bucks, eight dollars because the culture is different. Like technically, technically where I bought them, it's, it's used. They're used figures because the box is open. Anytime you open the box, it's now used, even if it's not touched um, for those who are not collectors. Um, but it's like, they're just, they're still perfect. They're still in perfect condition and you're getting it at like a ridiculous cheap amount. And just because of that otaku culture where everything's got to be perfect, everything's got to be all neat and tidy and there's nothing wrong with them, even when they sell them. Um, and it's, it's just an interesting, uh, just an interesting difference, I think, between cultures. That isn't actually a difference because collectors here always do that too. You know, you have in-box stuff. If it's in-box, it's automatically a higher value than something that's out-of-box, even if the out-of-box thing hasn't been touched a single time, you know? Um, it's, to me, I don't really understand the point of, you know, if the statue's, the statue's bad enough, having it and not even taking it out of the box, I have no clue. I don't know. Like then, that's even that's even less of a point than having it sitting out on your desk. Now it's just in a box. It's not even there. Like, why do you want this to keep it in a box? Um, but you know, I, I I can answer that for you easily. Uh, some people of this generation think there's going to be some big boom in the future, like there were with comics in the '30s and stuff, where or like figures from the '60s and '70s, where they buy it. Now they leave it in the box, and then the price is just going to jack up into the hundreds or thousands or millions of dollars like 20, 30, 50 years from now. Um, part of the problem is like some figures, some comics, some things like that, that's going to be true if it's like super special. Uh, but the average thing these days is so mass-produced, uh, it's not going to be the case. You're not going to get a mass-produced G.I. Joe, for example, uh, circuit now is not going to compare in price to something from the 80s uh, because everyone knows what the deal is. The jig is up. I think that's also, I think, a different part of the culture in Japan compared to now is they already know the jig's up there. Um, it's, it's, it's used, like, I can buy something used in Canada and the price is going to be three, four times the price of what it will be in Japan of something similar. The- um, it's just different the that does happen here too i i think that it 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 makes a little more sense with certain things um certain things can get a boom like pokemon is huge for example and i'm looking at ebay right now where someone is selling a sealed a factory sealed copy of pokemon yellow for the game boy color for 229 dollars um you know that i can understand like that's an actual video game that someone could miss for nostalgia, someone could play it, you know, but a statue? I don't understand, but, you know, I, it's not... Well, it's the same thing, though, in that well, case, well, Glenn, because if you open it, the value's gone, so sec- it's, in a way, like a statue. One, You're paying 200 bucks for a statue. One second, I'm, I'm going to say that it's not for me to understand. People collect and are attached to different things for different reasons. This is my view on it. I don't get it. Um, For time's sake, we are going to move on, however, and talk really briefly about Sony one more time. Um, Electronic Arts has announced a subscription-based service for the Xbox One 
um, called EA Access. Uh, the way it works is EA offers a bunch of EA games, flat rate of $4.99 a month or $30 per year. So in a way, it's a little bit like PlayStation Now, but not really, uh, just for EA games, I suppose. Um, originally, when I first heard about this, I was like, well, wait, really? EA is doing the whole exclusive thing again? But then I learned more, and I learned that EA actually did offer EA uh, access to Sony. And Sony turned it down um, in a very surprising Apple-like move. Uh, here's the statement that Sony offered. I'm reading this from Polygon. Uh, Sony said, We evaluated the EA Access subscription offering and decided that it does not bring the kind of value PlayStation customers have come to expect. Um, PlayStation Plus memberships are up more than 200% since the launch of the PlayStation 4, which shows that gamers are looking for memberships that offer a multitude of services across various devices for one low price. We don't think asking our fans to pay an additional $5 a month for this EA-specific program represents good value to the PlayStation gamer. Uh, end quote. Here is my view on that. What are you talking about, Sony? What do you think PlayStation Now is? That's exactly what it is, and it, it may be true that it's offered across different services, but it's a little presumptuous for you to say that gamers are looking for memberships that offer this, because this is all that you have tried. You have not tried something like EA Access that is for one platform and for one thing before. You know, you haven't tried that before, so it's a little presumptuous for you to say, oh, gamers are looking for what we offer, you know? Um that's something that you would want to let the gamers decide. You, you're, you're trying to be like Apple now. You don't get to decide what the gamers want. That's for the gamers to decide. Um, and, you know, a lot of the comments down below this kind of agree with that. It's like, why are, why are you trying to decide this from them? This makes me feel a little uncomfortable with Sony because I feel like Sony is starting to get too comfortable. The, there, there's a point, um, and Sony reached this point in 2006, and Microsoft reached this point last year in 2013, you get a certain amount of success and you start thinking that you know what you're doing. And the minute you start thinking that you know what you're doing is the minute you start sliding. And I feel like Sony is starting to get to that point and it worries me to death. What do you guys think? I think that Sony is feeling threatened by it. Um, especially with PS Now, um, I, I don't think Sony wants another company competing with what they're doing, uh, especially if EA is going to do it better than PlayStation. I mean, we've seen the prices right now from the beta of PlayStation Plus, and a lot of people aren't happy with it. And EA might offer a lot less. I mean, if you're seeing an EA game on PlayStation Now, you know, double the price that it is on EA Access. Is that what it's called, EA Access? Um, yeah, EA Access. It, it's going to hurt Sony, uh, you know, in my opinion. Well, but this is also moved by Activision that I'm actually really not surprised about because Activision, or not Activision, EA, sorry. Um, I did the same thing EA, It's okay. Yeah, EA just really doesn't want people to succeed, in my opinion. <laughs> like, they always want to do things that somebody else is doing. Because they want the more of the profits, they don't like sharing the profits. It's pretty much what I'm what I'm trying to say. You know, they did the same thing with uh, Steam. You know, they went out and they released Origin for what? So they can get pretty much all the profits for themselves. They don't like sharing the profits. 
And this, in my opinion, is the same thing. You know, they, they don't want to share the profits. So just they want the profits from themselves. So just for, that? just for clarity's sake, when you say share the profits, you're saying they're releasing this service because they don't want to put their games on PlayStation now and let Sony get that. They want to keep it all to themselves. Yeah, like they'll they'll have to split something with Sony, right? I mean, that's usually how it works. They have to pay for their things to be on something, or Sony has to pay them. And you know, the money goes both ways. You know, Sony probably is going to get like ten percent of of people. You know, that rent the, in, in an EA game from PlayStation now. Just just for EA doesn't want that. Just for fairness's sake, I'm going to bring up the fact that Sony did the same thing. Um, between the Oculus Rift and Project Morpheus. Um, It's not kind of a new business move. It's something that a lot of businesses do. But you're right in saying that EA does it kind of frequently. They don't seem to... uh, They they seem not to like the the competition. Um, But is Sony, ethically speaking, um, speaking in business, speaking in in consumerism, is this the right thing for Sony to do? To say, no, um, our audience doesn't want this our audience wants something else instead our audience wants what we have to offer instead is that the right thing for sony to do absolutely not it's a terrible thing for sony to do sony should never decide what's good for their fan base over what the fans think like take a poll if if you're not sure don't just straight up say no and the reason they said no is because of playstation now it has to be because if PlayStation Now wasn't coming out, they totally would have gone for this. But here's here's what confuses me. EA Access is all just for EA games, and EA has a very big library of games, don't get me wrong. But it's literally just for EA games, whereas PlayStation Now, we're promised a whole spectrum of games from all over PlayStation, um, all over PlayStation's history. So in a way, mm-hmm. EA is extremely limited in that regard compared to PlayStation Now. So do you think that PlayStation or that Sony has anything to really worry about when it comes to EA? Do you think people would choose EA, especially with EA's reputation? Let's get that straight right now. Especially with EA's reputation, do you think that Sony should be concerned that people would choose EA Access over PlayStation Now, considering what each service offers? Can I ask a question for that first? With EA... Is it only current generation titles, or is it every EA game? I am not sure. Let me let me look around and get uh, back to you on that. I can I can give you a little bit of backstory on this. Um, with EA, you get a choice of four different titles in the vault. The vault titles will change per month, kind of like Plus, um, and you gain access to week early demos to full price titles. So, say you're uh, if you say you. It comes out before Dragon Age, I think. So say you, you, you're not sure about Dragon Age after Dragon Age 2. You think, oh, you could, if you had the EA subscription, you could download the full game for free. Try it for two hours, I think it is. Or is it, it might be a bit longer than that. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then if you like it, you get 20% off the digital download version as well. Okay. So, so it, it's, it's pretty much what... Go ahead. So I was going to say it's pretty much what Sony was doing with the one-hour trials that they're offering with PS Plus. Yeah. No. See that that doesn't I, seem I, like I just a com- think- that doesn't seem like a competition issue. So I, I mystified the idea that Sony would feel threatened by it. 
I, I can't imagine why they would say no. Our, our customers don't want this. Uh, but go ahead, Dane. Um, I think well, there's two things. The first one, I'll I'll answer your direct question about Sony feeling threatened. Um. I think part of their fan base is in agreement with it because I've read comments on different forums and again they're just comments so you know people say say a lot of things but I mean it's just dividing up the pie stupidly um EA is not going to suddenly say we're not going to sell our games on PS Plus or PS Now um they're still going to do that and so why does Sony think they need to spend money on something that they don't need to? Uh, why jack up the price for customers for some service that is not going to do much? Like, I mean, it's like Origin with Steam. I mean, how many people go and do Origin? There's some, but the, the, the EA games are still on Steam, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they are. So, uh, so I, I, no, no. Your titles are, are only. Oh, yeah, they were. The last EA game to come out on Steam was Crisis 2, I believe. After that, everything else has come to origin that's from EA. Okay, so I am corrected on that statement. But I still think, though, for at least for the PS3 or PS4 and stuff like that, EA is not going to suddenly say we're not going to sell our product through PS Plus or PS Now or whatever. I mean, they're still going to do that. And then someone made a good, when I was reading comments, someone made a good point is like the thing about PS Plus and even PS Now is you get everything. Everything's there for one decent price. PS Now is contentious, right? The things could change because it's still a beta, but focusing on, let's say, just PS Now or PS Plus, it's one price and you get everything. Um, EA, I agree with Gary, likes its own profits. And I think it's a stupid move by EA because I don't think other companies are going to do the same thing. It's stupid for them to try and break up this nice little, this nice little uh, situation they have with PS Plus and PS Now and Xbox Gold or whatever Xbox calls theirs. Um, trying to, to siphon away and force gamers to pay an extra fee when they don't want to pay an extra fee. I'm being pretentious saying that but you know why do i need to spend an extra five bucks for this when i can already get the same deal on ps plus or a similar deal on ps plus let me add this to that i am so tired of subscriptions i am tired of monthly subscriptions everybody wants a freaking monthly subscription um netflix wants like eight bucks a month Hulu wants another eight bucks a month. Plex wants three bucks a month. If you have Dropbox, that's another 10 bucks a month. I definitely recommend Google Drive to Dropbox, by the way. Dropbox is the most popular, but Google Drive, you can get 100 gigabytes for two bucks a month. No exaggeration there. Um, but that's another monthly payment. Um, PlayStation um, Now, is, I think, is going to have some kind of monthly subscription. EA Access wants 5 bucks a month. Spotify wants 9 bucks a month if you want the mobile thing. Everyone wants... They say that you should cancel your cable or whatever and do these online subscriptions instead, but there are so freaking many of them that you're probably not going to save any money when you're done with it. You know, they're, they're just too, and everyone is switching to this, okay, we'll give you all of this for this amount per month. And sure, the amounts individually are low, but once you start paying for a bunch of them, it starts getting really expensive. I mean, I've been... It is, and it's, it's, that's the thing that I like about PS Plus, 
is, and I guess you could say Xbox Gold because they're similar services, is everything's there. It's, yeah, it's subscription, subscription stock, but it's just everything is there. And it's stupid for EA to try and do this because it's just messing with an already nice system. And they could easily work with Sony to try to hash out more profits if they want. Like, imagine the money EA is spending to do this service. I mean, how many people are going to care about an extra 20% off Madden when it comes out? Right. I mean, it's already going to be on a deal on PS Plus. I mean, so I'm spending, what, five, ten bucks to get 20% off of, of Madden? I mean, you have to be a really hardcore EA fan to get any value for it. Like, that's the only reason why I sign up for PS Plus is because I get value for my money. I get all those free games, and then all those discounts just make up for it. Like, I mean, I got, what was it, Tales of Symphonia Chronicles for 10 bucks because of the deal. I already saved $30 off of that. That paid for my subscription right there. Everything after that is just cake. Um, can EA services say the same thing? I don't think it will. I honestly don't think it's going to unless they buy up a bunch of other companies. Honestly, um, I think it's <laughs> from the description of it, I can see some success in EA Access, especially with EA Sports. Um, say what you want about sports games and the bro gamers, but there is, there's enough of them to make a difference. And EA is definitely one of, one of if not the leader in uh, sports gaming. So you have Madden, you have NFL, NHL, FIFA, and NBA all under EA. And if you're an EA Access member, you're pro you're going to get a 10% discount on that on if you're on Xbox One. Um, not if you're on PS4. You know, I, I don't think that um, PlayStation Now or PlayStation Plus was automatically going to give you a, a discount on um, any EA sports games. And it sounds like this includes brand new games um, because you get early access to trials and whatnot. So it, it's like there are some differences that EA Access is doing that PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus are not. It's still the same. It's like Origin and Steam. It's like we already have Steam. Origin comes out. It's the same service, which is for EA. We already have PS Plus slash now. We already have Xbox Gold. It's, it's the same service that, to quote Gary, it's just like, you know, dividing up the pies. Uh, EA wants its own profits. Um, honestly, I think it would probably stick around because EA is not going to spend the money on something that's just going to fail right away. But I honestly don't think it's going to make a huge impact uh, towards uh, PS Plus, the PS service or the Xbox like subscription services. I think it's just going to just be there for the really hardcore EA fans. Do you think a significant enough number of PlayStation gamers will miss EA access enough to try and cause a change for, with Sony? To, I'll, I'll, to try and get EA into, like, to have them combine it again? Right. Do you think that per PlayStation gamers will start saying, we want EA access? I honestly, I don't think so, unless EA completely cut Sony off from access to their games. Which would be, uh, stupid. Which would be the services. stupidest move they could possibly do. Stupidest yeah, move which is which is why I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact because right. it's not like it's it, so that's why I think it I think that's why Sony can take that stand is because so many gamers are not just one one company lovers 
like like publisher wise i mean i'm sure there's a few who only play sports games and that's fine but the vast majority of gamers especially sony gamers uh play multiple games from multiple publishers and so a one subscription service isn't the best deal for them as compared to say what ps now could do like take away as long as the pricing's done right you know ps now could still offer better bang for your buck so there is a little method to Sony's madness in this decision. Um, I think so. Because, I mean, it, like, I agree it's, it smacks a bit of arrogance, but it's not unfounded arrogance because uh, you just have to look at it. PS Now offers it all. Right. Uh, and even if EA cuts access completely, well, still, there's still everything else from past, present, and future, because what, PS Now is going to give you, what, PS1 games? PS2 games? I mean, you're going to get everything. You're going to get thousands of games for whatever the price is. EA is just, well, even if it is past, present, and future, who's going to play Madden 98? Yeah, right? no, one, no one's going to play Madden 98 when Madden 2014 is out. Yeah, and no one hardly plays, unless you're a trophy hunter, no one really plays Madden 13. Uh, when Madden 14's out, or or 14 when 15's out, so I think that's part of the problem uh, of EA. EA is a bit toothless because the all their money making games are just for the now, and then they lose all their value after a year because here's the next update. So Gary, um, I'll let Gary get in on this. What were you trying to say, Gary? I'm gonna say, uh, knowing how EA has operated for the last 20 years. They are going to piss off a lot of people, and I will tell you exactly why. I guarantee you that once a year after this service launches, at least, minimum I should say, you're going to start seeing demos of EA games only being available through EA Access, betas available only through EA Access, uh, discounts on their games only available through EA Access. Uh, you're probably not going to see another EA game discounted on through PS Plus. Uh, I, uh, some features, you know, exclusive DLC will be offered only through EA Access. Um, leaderboards, you know, exclusive DLCs. A lot of stuff, I guarantee you, is going to be offered only through EA Access. And that's going to piss off a lot of people because they've done this so many times with Origin that, you know, if you buy Battlefield 3 or 4 now, you have to have Origin. If you buy any PC game, you have to have Origin to play it. If you don't have Origin, that game does not work. The fact that Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 runs off of a browser developed through Origin is ridiculous. It runs through an internet browser, through their service. And they're going to do, I guarantee they're going to try to do the exact same thing through EA Access. And a lot of Sony fans, and well, pretty much Sony fans, because it's going to be available only on Xbox, they're going to screw a lot of Sony fans because a lot of their features are now not going to be available through PlayStation. I guarantee it. And I won't be surprised that in two years... If the service is still around two to three years, you're going to start seeing EA games disappearing. Well, not disappearing. New games not appear on PlayStation now very easily. EA is that arrogant. I guarantee you. They, they are going to screw a lot of Sony fans well, with EA assets. Well, if you work at EA, there is some good news. 
at least you're already used to pissing your consumers off. Um, <laughs> ben, before we move well, there's on... A why want, there's a reason why they won Worst Company a Year for, was it, three years in a row? Yeah. They yes. didn't win it this year, though, but still they could do it next year if they do this right. Well, they, Believe in it. They're, they're good at finding new ways to do it. Um, so we'll see how this pans out, but for now, EA Access is only available on the Xbox. Um, PS, uh, PlayStation gamers, hang on, we don't know what's going to happen. But PlayStation Now, hopefully we'll get some new PlayStation Now details at Gamescom. Uh, nothing official on that, just just a, just a, a bit of a hope there. Um, and with that, that's... Well, there's talk that they're going to uh, announce the beta for Europe. Yeah. Um, because it's it's not out for Europe until spring 2015. Right, right. Um, with that, that's it for episode 29 of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. But first, let's take a look at our tweets. Um, we weren't around last week. Um, we actually skipped a week for a number of reasons. I think part of which is our launch. Uh, again, we, we work at PlayStation Universe. So PlayStation Universe has been redesigned, and, and I guess that was part of it. Um, Adam Duffield... Our, our friend Duff, at Duffman1986 says, um, hashtag believe in Gary. Um, <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Uh, He's got a super fan. <laughs> the Fonz, uh, Ali Shan, uh, excuse me, at SNOVA34Z, he says, to me, I do watch Psych, even though the series ended, I still continue to watch it. Uh, we were talking about different shows that we watch, and he watches Psych, as we all should, because Psych is an amazing show, and it's a crime... I've never heard of it. It's a crime that it's over. Um, it's about this guy named Sean Spencer, who has the uncanny ability to just... He, he has, like, amazing senses. He can see things and just notice things and remember things like nobody's business. And so he calls the police station all the time to give them tips for rewards. And because of that, they suspect him as being involved in the crimes because he's always calling in and he's always correct. Um, so they arrest him, and in order to get out of jail, he tells everyone that he's psychic. And uh, his friend Gus, he, originally it's just to get out of jail, but everybody believes him because he can pull this off so well. And um, so he gets out of jail, and to his friend Gus's dismay, he thinks, well, that worked so well, I should start a psychic detective agency. And so he starts working with the Santa Barbara, California Police Department as a psychic detective, of all things, to solve crimes. It's a hilarious show. It's an amazing show. You should go watch it. It's from USA Network. If you have a way to watch it, watch it from season one. It's great. Watch Psych. That kind of sounds like The Mentalist. The, no, well, Psych is definitely a humorous show. Uh, I think The Mentalist is a little more serious, a, a lot more serious. Psych is not serious wow. at all. Um, Mentalist isn't that serious. Unless it's like a Red John thing, it's like super is, laid back and not serious at all. This is less serious, I promise. Um, okay. Duffman1986 says, another great podcast, guys, speaking about episode 28, of course. Agree with various points on the Xbox One, and I plan to eventually get one myself, but no game tempts me right now. You are not alone. Xbox, I think, needs a bigger exclusive library to be successful. Um, He also asks us a question. He says, what do you think of all these remasters? And if one game you loved could be remastered, what would it be and why? Anyone, oh, want to, anyone want to tackle that? 
I'll, I'll tackle that because I was talking um, on Unchained about that. Uh, that I might bring back Skip and Max out of retirement to do a remaster parody. And uh, my my view is just there's too many remasters. And but if if I could see any remaster done, um, I would love to see Parasite Eve remastered. That would be a, a sweet game. Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve from the PS One. Bring that. Bring that to the PS4 for me, remastered. I'd buy it day one. Let me be honest with you. My remaster is already coming. Ratchet and Clank, the first Ratchet and Clank game, is going to be re- not just remastered, but like remade, rebuilt for the PS4 when the Ratchet and Clank movie comes out next year. And I am excited. I, I, I'm a Ratchet and Clank fan. I love Ratchet and Clank. So that's coming. Uh, can't wait for that. Uh, how about you guys, Gary and Ben? Um... This is very easy for me. Shadow Hearts. Oh, that's a- I'd agree with that too. Yeah, I'd agree yeah, with that too. I know it's never going to happen, but God, what I'd give that, and probably the Xenosaga trilogy. Mm-hmm. I pay top dollar for that. Oh, I- who even owns Shadow Hearts now? Well, it used to be Midway, and then it just Midway's gone. Uh, so- Acqu- uh, Acquire owns it. No. Wow. Uh, Azura Corp. But they stop making video games. They now make pinball machines in Japan. They have a Shadow Hearts pinball machine. It exists. But so sad. It's sad. That's as far as we're going to get with Shadow Hearts. <laughs> oh, um, by the way, the, the Believe in Gary hashtag was 11 days ago, so I guess I missed that one from episode 27. Sorry about that. Believe in Gary, you're my favorite. I've never said that. That, that was Duffman1986. Um, Duffman, you're my favorite. <laughs> uh, Duffman Duff is accounting bro. Way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ben, uh, what's your what's your remaster of choice? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I I because I'm sleepy and I can't think of anything. I'm just going to say Metal Gear One. Metal Gear One from the the MSX. Why Why Metal Gear oh, One? Because we've we well it it's just. It's in my head, and it would make a good. We could just it would just be great. Gosh. Be so it'd be great to carry on from. Uh, and, well, it looks like Metal Gear Five will end just before Metal Gear One would have started, and people could then say that what's his name could be back for Solid Snake as the voice actor. David Hayter. Yeah, David Hayter. Right. It, it makes and... sense. I still think. What? What's up? Uh, I was just going to say, that would be an amazing remake, and that, that first Metal Gear. Because that would explain why Keith Sutherland is playing Big Boss, because if they do re- a remake, it, they'll have to. T- they'll probably tease you at the end of Metal Gear 5, and it would sound weird having David Hayter talk to himself. Right. So by having David Hayter still being Snake, because he's not Snake, it's Big Boss, it, it makes it a bit more sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for sending in your tweets. Of course, if you have anything to say about what we had to say, or if there's just something you'd like us to talk about, send us a tweet at the RDGH. Also, send us any reviews. We are, we're in a bunch of places. We're on Android things. We're on your i things. We're on your computer things. Um, wherever you found us, leave us a review, send us a link on Twitter, and we will read your review on the air. 
Um, also, don't forget, if you are a Last of Us gamer, if you have played The Last of Us, stay tuned after the ending music uh, where we can talk about Last of Us Remastered uh, without worrying about spoiling it for any of you. Of course, if you have not played it, after the uh, ending music, we love you, but please go away. Um, we don't want to spoil this game for you. And, and believe me, it, it's a game that you do not want spoilers for. Um, it's that kind of game. If, if this game is spoiled for you, it, it, someone, would sh- someone should be arrested for spoiling this game for you. Let me put it that way. Um, That's why I'm not going to be around for the after show. You're leaving? Well, I've never played the game. Oh, you've never played the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can't, I can't get it spoiled, man. No, you can't suck. get it spoiled. You have to go. Go away. Yeah. Go away. I'll have to go as well. Why? Why is that? I haven't finished the game either. Oh, so it's just going to be me and Gary. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll stay for a bit. I'll see how, how spoilish it gets. Okay. All right. Um, we'll stick I'm a... half asleep, so I'm just half forget about most of it anyway. We'll, we'll stick around for that afterwards. Um, guys, this has been episode 29. Stay tuned next week for episode 30. Um, and thanks for listening. As always, we wouldn't be anything without you. Um, you can contact our friend, the host with the most, Dane Smith, at? At, on Twitter, at LaSombraFiles, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A-F-I-L-E-S. Or you can contact me with my PSU email, Dane.Smith at PSU.com. That's D-A-N-E. Also, you can buy my novel for 99 cents on Amazon.com, The LaSombraFiles Choice and Consequence. It's cheaper than a chocolate bar. So no excuses not to pick up a riveting 300-page novel. Absolutely. Um, and you can contact KGB Gary at? At Gaglaush, that's G-A-G-L-A-U-S-H on Twitter, or on my PSU email at Gary, that's G-A-R-R-I, at PSU.com. And you can contact the original Ben Sterling at? Uh, you can contact me at Chile underscore U-K-C-H-I-L-L-E. And you can also contact me at ben.shulaberhall at psu.com. That's B-E-N-S-H-I-L-L-A-B-E-R hyphen Your last name is like an alphabet of its own. Um, <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, well, if, if it was my full name, it'd be B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-T-H-O-M-A-S-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-H-I-L-L-A-B-E-R-H-A-L-L. I think some. I think. Okay. Uh, I'm. I'm lost. Um, you can contact me. I'm the Commissioner Glenn Gordon. You can contact me on Twitter at goglen underscore at g o g l e n n underscore or by email at glenn at psu And that's it for us this week. We will not see you next week because this is an audio podcast, and you are not viewers, but you are gamers and podcast listeners. So uh, we will see, <laughs> catch us next week. Um, until then. We wish you a great week, great gaming, and as always, believe in Gary and don't be a racist. Hello? Are you still here? Good. Now, I know what you're looking for, but it's not here. We ended up spending much longer than intended talking about The Last of Us, so 
Instead of appending it to an already rather long episode, we're releasing it in its own separate episode that you can access if you wish through the usual channels. Remember, please do not listen to it if you have not completed The Last of Us. It will spoil the game for you. If you have completed it, then download, enjoy, and don't be a racist.